You are listening to the Atlanta Real Estate Forum radio show, all about real estate edition. Shining a light on the movers and shakers in the real estate industry. The home builders, developers, realtors, and suppliers making it all happen. And now, here are today's hosts. Good morning and welcome back to the All About Real Estate edition. I am your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Carol Morgan. Before we kick things off, we do, however, want to thank New American Funding for being our 2021 show sponsor. Now our 10th year on the air, it has been outstanding having them as our friend and partner uh, in supporting this show. Carol, going to be a neat conversation. Two neat guys, a really cool company doing some amazing work. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you can argue that they have helped to shape the skyline of Atlanta. So I think you could argue that. It's really going to be an exciting show. So I want to welcome Chris Good, managing partner, and Paul Van Slyke, partner with Good Van Slyke Architecture. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Nice intro. I like it. Yeah. So (laughs) as as we get started, can one of you give us an overview of Good Van Slyke Architecture, your mission, your vision? Well, we're coming up on our milestone 25 years in business this July. Uh, We got started back in 1996, doing a lot of K through 12 that graduated into doing higher ed. And then we started getting some specialty projects, some office stuff, some loft stuff, a little bit of housing here and there. And we found ourselves continuing on with the K through 12 and with the higher ed. With some of that, we were doing sports facilities as well. And we did a performing arts center as well. And all of a sudden, we were found ourselves selected for uh, one of the firms for the Mercedes-Benz Stadium project. And since then, it's really been like turning a corner for us. Uh, we've gotten heavily into mixed-use developments, doing a lot of uh multifamily and and, uh, residential and uh, retail and even doing corporate work now as well. Yeah, I was going to ask what kind of projects you guys do. I mean, that's almost an impossible question. It's easier to ask what don't you do, it sounds like. Uh, uh, I mean, cultural projects, educational, healthcare, hospitality, uh, various living, mixed use, municipal planning, religious stuff, sports, work, corporate. I mean, there's, there's nothing you guys don't do. I guess let me ask the question this way. I'm going off script already. How do you do that? How do you build an organization that can have that much diversity in your in your skills and talents? Paul asked you to address that. I mean, how, how do you guys actually do that? Yeah, we've got an interesting model in our firm. So first of all, there are firms like us that call themselves general practice, uh, you know, practitioners. And what is usually not understood about that, but probably easily understood once explained is, as an architect, if you're doing many building types, you become a better architect. So you're better at each one of those types as you do other types. So that's been a strength for us. It's made us good at uh, first-time attempts at new project types, and also our staffing is key. So we're at 25 people right now, but we really kind of have the punch power of a 40-person firm, I would say, because of our average level of experience. It was kind of a business experiment that turned out positive, meaning we have a very high average level of years of experience. Over 17 years is our average, and it's almost double what other firms would have. And I would frankly defy any other firm in the Southeast to say that they have more. 
And so that means the projects go forward as much as possible. Our industry is prone to uh, kind of a pilgrimage, a little bit of left and right and backwards and forward. I mean, that's the design process. But with experienced personnel, we can keep that momentum going forward. We can take care of our clients in a better way. And Chris and I, as partners, can do our jobs while the firm is doing their job. So, you know, that's kind of an explanation. Chris and I, in our backgrounds, had diverse experience as well. And we brought that to the firm. And as a firm, we do really put a great deal of pride in design. And you would think all architects do that, but there's every kind of firm out there. You know, some are very production related. Some are so design related that they have a little hard time delivering. But I think we cut a nice fine line between all those things and deliver for our clients high-end design. We advise them, which is really important. We can provide master planning and upfront programming and project shaping to help them get to the start line. And then we can take them through the process. So it's a little more than just, as my sister used to say, you know, drawing a pretty picture. Yeah, there's a lot more to the task than yeah. that. I think well, we can address it with our experienced staff. Absolutely. So it's you know, form and function. You mentioned the Mercedes-Benz Stadium early on. Tell us a little bit about that project. That was crazy. Um, so there were four firms on it, three in Atlanta. So we were one of those three. And you know, we the easiest way to say it is we uh, designed a third of the stadium. So it was not a small assignment, considering nobody really knows the construction value, but it was somewhere in the $1.5 billion range. And out of that came some direct assignments from the Falcons, which spoke to us getting a good report card. I will say, and the whole team agrees, that you take a project type like that, which is for many a one-in-a-career opportunity, this very monumental permanent structure, you take a complicated facility in a downtown location, credit to Arthur Blank, and you compress the schedule by probably two years, but demand high-end quality, which is also a credit to Arthur Blank. And that's a difficult recipe. So the team worked very well on it together, but it was complicated. And you know, just to give you a quick snapshot, there's this huge thing we call a Revit model. It's a computer model. And there were 50 firms on the project of all sorts, engineers, architects, and others. And we had a deadline every Friday for three and a half years. So we had to upload our model to Kansas City so all the models would come together. And then we would coordinate our work every week for three and a half years. So it was tricky. And you could see the building being built going around a circle. And you knew the phone calls were coming just ahead of that portion of the circle. And uh, so you had to respond on construction while designing other pieces and parts. So it was wild and woolly, but it was a great team. So, you know, we pulled it All in all, it, it had about 60 plus consultants on the team, engineers, architects, and and uh, all sorts of specialty trades as well. Yeah. So you can imagine, you know, what it took to get it done. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. I mean, it must be pretty cool to say that I helped build a thing that's hosted a Super Bowl. I mean, that, that's pretty awesome, you know, and, and what a testament to your capabilities. I don't know where we go from here <laughs> in terms of other projects, but is there... Uh, Another project or two you guys are proud of and want to talk about that also speaks to your capabilities? Well, there is. As I mentioned, we got turned the corner and started doing multifamily and uh, mixed use. And so one of the things that we're most proud of is a project that opened just this past December called 788 West Midtown Condominiums. 
And we're so excited about that project because it's a high rise. It's actually 23 levels, which includes structured parking. And it has some retail. Uh, It's over in West Midtown. And it's the first high rise uh, to have been built in that location in that part of Atlanta. And uh, it's it's been well received and, and it's selling well. Everything turned out pretty much the way we hoped for it to. And in addition to that, we're doing another uh, large mixed-use development up near uh, Avalon in Alpharetta. And that is a hotel, offices, sports-related wellness facilities, and and some more condominiums as well. Uh, it's an even bigger project, and we're excited to be the architects that the only architects on on these projects. We had a little help on 788, uh, but on the Bailey, it's just us. And we've done some other things for um, some other developers. We found ourselves prior to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, our work was probably 70% public sector, 30% private. And now, it, currently, it seems to be opposite that, where a lot of what we're doing is private sector. We do have some nice... Uh, contracts down at the airport, Hartsfield, Jackson. And when those really kick in, then that mix will probably blend out to more like a 50-50 split. Mm. And I guess one thing to piggyback on Chris's description of 788, which is a high-end luxury condominium project. I'm really proud of the fact that we have several affordable projects going on right now. And um, they're not all the same at all. And they're, they're tricky for their own reasons, which makes them a, a fun challenge. But that kind of speaks to some of our core. We've always had projects which uh, are a positive impact on the surrounding communities. So similarly, we have open-ended contracts with uh, Central Atlanta Progress and Atlanta Housing to look at small urban catalytic sites to show them highest and best use. Exciting. Uh, that, that takes non-performing properties and gets people working in them and helps the neighborhood. So That's great. That speaks to a bigger purpose. Yeah. One of those projects includes the Apex Museum edition that we're working on. That's cool. We're really happy about that one. Talk a little bit about Huff Trail and the Fairmont. So we do have adaptive reuse, including our own office, which you can see right behind me here. Uh Uh-huh. That's Um, cool. (laughs) So, yeah, Huff Trail is a great project for a great client. Yeah, Kim King and Associates own the building, the Fairmont. Uh, It was a not... Again, another non-performing building that was turned into an active building full of people working in it. So it's an adaptive reuse of an old warehouse. The first function that went in there was an event space that has become very popular. And then over time, spaces have been leased out and renovated in a really creative fashion. So that's what is fun about the adaptive reuse. Again, similar to what you're seeing behind me, there's a historic shell but within it, you can do something modern and detaches itself from the historicism. And by doing so, actually highlights the historicism. So the Fairmont's pretty fun in that respect. So. Adaptive reuse of those old spaces, is, to me, is my favorite kind of a project. Mm-hmm. I love seeing how you can take something that was built long ago and, and, and repurpose it and do some amazing things with it. And it sounds like in a lot of cases, doing really good for the community, too. Speaking of that... Uh, other ways that you guys are outreaching to the community is doing a lot of educational type stuff. Uh, that's really exciting. Tell us about what's happening there. 
as I mentioned, we began doing K through 12. Um, sometimes you, you know, it's kind of funny. We, our backgrounds were with uh, large firms and we rarely did K through 12, but you take what you get started with. And we've done additions and renovations and new facilities. And we started partnering with several of the school systems that we work with. And what I mean by partnering is pretty much mentoring the students at those particular schools or within those school systems and uh, going into the schools, talking to the kids, letting them come by our office and learn what architecture is about. We more recently did this with uh, Burgess Peters in Atlanta, where they had some of their top, I think it was sixth graders. And we were one of, I think, three firms that participated in giving uh, these kids an architectural project to do. And it was pretty phenomenal what they were able to uh, develop, the creative minds of, I guess, 12-year-olds or 11-year-olds. It was really fascinating. And we're actually looking at uh, sponsoring some students in Nepal right now. Um, oh, wow. Which is really a progressive program a friend of mine has. And local school systems right near us, the Howard School, we uh, send supplies over to every year when they start school for kids that have a hard time affording that. So. Yeah, that's great. Great community outreach. And it really helps for, you know, kids to see what potential careers are out there and what they might, you know, want to do with their future. Yeah, it's well, funny. We, uh, there was one school we partnered with, and Chris probably remembers this. It was a while back, but they put on a skit. And they imitated us. <laughs> oh, how funny. <laughs> so it was uh, when we were little kids, you know. That's yeah. And uh, so. Uh, I forgot about that one. Yeah. So like <laughs> something like, Chris, you're the pretty face. And Paul, you'll kind of manage things. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be great together. And they acted out their whole career as they progressed. That's fantastic. Awesome. I hope uh, you have that on video. <laughs> yeah, I wish. It was, it was pretty cool. That's very cool. Fast credit approvals, accelerated loan processing, expedited underwriting. Call your new American funding loan officer today to get pre-qualified. For more information, call New American Funding at 678-898-3540. That's 678-898-3540. Talk a little bit about, you know, the last year and what you've had to change due to COVID, you know, I guess yeah, specifically as it relates to, you know, design. What what changes have you seen and what how do you think it'll impact uh, design moving forward? Well, Paul, you can talk about that a little bit. But first, let me just say that I guess right off the bat, it looks like I've made the most changes because uh, Paul's at work and I'm at home. <laughs> <So> <laughs> there you go. That's been, yeah, that's been a big difference for us. You know, I, I argue that since I'm a few months older than he is, I, I have to be more concerned about catching the <laughs> virus and all. But we actually have not skipped a beat in a grand sense. Uh, hasn't uh, fortunately impacted us in a negative way. We were able to maintain all of the projects that were ongoing when everything hit. We had a couple that were coming to a stall regardless, and they probably would have started up a little sooner. But that has not been the case. And we've actually grown during this uh, past 
11 months or so. And Paul has been leading the charge on uh, making sure that we follow the rules and regulations around the COVID mentality of workspaces and do's and don'ts regarding all of that. And he can talk about that a little. Yeah, it's been, um, you know, knock on wood, it, you know, transitioning into remote work was not that hard, actually. So I will say we're in the wrong industry for that. So when you're in a creative industry, we found immediately after everybody went remote, we had a couple presentations to clients, a Zoom-like scenario, or it was Zoom. And um, we immediately had a group session, said, wait a second, we need to put some new policies in place. Because suddenly there was a dislocation of ideas that started showing itself in the presentations. And it only happened a couple of times and we jumped on it. And then we had dry runs before every presentation. And that was absolutely essential. We would pick up on little things and correct them before presenting. And they were just the sort of things that you would otherwise catch if you were working in the same space together and you just happen to walk by somebody's desk and say, how about, how about if we try this? So putting that aside, though, it's been fairly smooth in its transition. We have a plan for the return. We thought we were returning at one point and then things went back in the wrong direction. But we'll have, you know, our desks will be spaced, honestly, to learn from this moment. We might not just return to the same old, and I don't think anybody is, uh, or the majority of people are. Yeah, so it may be a 3-2 schedule. You're in the office three days, you're remote two days or something. We haven't figured that out yet. That's exactly what we were doing pre-COVID, in the office three, out too. And now, you know, I've had probably two people in the office since March. So, yeah, yeah, various different days. Yeah. And the design industry, you'd be surprised there's a fairly close parallel to some of the trends in office planning as there is in K through 12 schools, meaning we have really taken on what we call environmental, innovative environments for innovative teaching techniques in school teaching. Some people call it classrooms of the 21st century, but those classrooms morph, open up and combine students and teachers and classes. And that's less appetizing in a pandemic. <laughs> so yeah. So there's been a reversal of that kind of thinking. While separation is required, you know, mingling, co-mingling students is not encouraged. But yet outdoor teaching is. So that's something we were taking on as well as exterior walls that transform and open interior classrooms into exterior things like Ooh, that. Oh, I love that idea. That's very cool. That's yeah, very cool. Office space well, similar. I'll say this, uh, looking at your background there, Paul, uh, if that was my office, I'd be in the office too. So uh, it was like a, a really uh, inspiring space to be to be creating. And so, well, gentlemen, I hate to say it, um, we're running low on time. Uh, Chris, I'll ask you to do this. Uh, for anyone listening who would uh, like to learn more about you guys, get in touch and ask some questions and learn more about your work, where do they go? They can go to our website. It's www.gvsa.com. You can also call us at 404-523-5525. Paul and several others are usually in in the office, and um, we have a fairly uh, decent answering service, our voicemail service, so you could go that route as well. In terms of reaching any particular person within the firm, if it's regarding uh, business development, uh, our business development director is Steve Cook, and he can be emailed at scook, C-O-O-K, at gbsa.com. 
Got it. All right. Well, Chris Good, Paul Van Slyke, both of Good Van Slyke Architecture. Gentlemen, uh, appreciate uh, the stamp that you're leaving on Metro Atlanta, and we look forward to seeing uh, how you guys continue to shape uh, what our community looks like. So grateful for your time today and, and appreciate uh, your important work uh, for all of us in Atlanta. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Our pleasure. All right. All right. Thank you. Well, that wraps this week's All About Real Estate edition. Again, on behalf of our show sponsor, New American Funding, my co-host, Carol Morgan. I am Todd Schnick. That's all the time that we have for today. Thank you for tuning in and listening. And we'll look forward to seeing you again right here tomorrow. We'll see you then. Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio is sponsored by New American Funding and made possible by Denim Marketing, the publisher of Atlanta Real Estate Forum, Atlanta's favorite source for real estate and home building news. Denim Marketing is a comfortable fit, like your favorite pair of jeans. Denim Marketing tailors marketing strategies to meet your specific needs and niche. Try them on for size. They will work to create a perfect fit for your company's marketing program. Call them at 770-383-3360 or send an email to info at denimmarketing.com. For more information on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio or to inquire about being a guest, contact info at atlantarealestateforum.com. Check out the radio show by visiting atlantarealestateforum.com or by listening to the show on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, we'd sure appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio.